Hello all, and welcome in. We're so glad you've joined us for another edition of the Book Nerd Diaries. Life can be rough sometimes, so please pull up a chair here in the library and relax for a while as we dive deep into the latest books we've crossed off our endless to read list. Please be warned that spoilers lie ahead, and some content might not be suitable for all listeners. So please go check out the show notes for content warnings regarding today's book and discussion before moving ahead with the episode. Ready? Then let's get our book nerd on. When it comes to marketing, books are usually classified by a series of time-honored genres. It's an integral, often unfortunate, part of the human experience to put labels on things in order to better understand them. This phenomenon is no more obvious than it is in the world of media, and it serves as a quick way for people to seek out the stories that most resonate with them. Are there robots and aliens? Well, that's science fiction. Are there dragons and swords? Then what you're looking at is fantasy. Are there hard-nosed detectives and bloodthirsty killers? Then that, my friend, is a mystery. Pretty simple, right? Well, maybe not always. Increasingly so in today's world, you find books, movies, TV shows, and even music that defy the typical conventions of genre altogether. These chimeras of art borrow bits and pieces of various storytelling traditions and blend them together into something that is entirely unique. In my many years of reading books, there are very few that I can say are singular, as the marvelous novel that I'll be covering today, Gideon the Ninth by Tamasin Muir, almost defies any sort of explanation I could try to give in the very best way possible. It has become a sensation to a degree very few books do these days, because it truly has no equal, and I am beyond excited to get into it. The book begins with our fast-talking heroine, Gideon Nav, trying to make an escape. Gideon is an adoptive resident of the Ninth House, a remote, dreary planet on the edge of our solar system, populated entirely with death cultists and necromancers. Completely at odds with the austere, gloomy existence of living in the Ninth House, she is desperate to be anywhere else. Gideon is about to hop on a shuttle off of the planet altogether when she is caught by a marshal. She attempts to convince him to let her go, but he quickly shuts her down, causing a scuffle to ensue between them. He and Gideon's swordmaster, Eglamine, order her to go to Muster, which must be attended by all residents of the Ninth House, but she has no plans whatsoever of complying. Gideon was an orphan who had been raised to be a bail bondswoman for the Ninth House, a job which she no longer wants. Later that day, Gideon tries once again to sneak away and hop onto his shuttle. This time, she is intercepted by Harrowhawk Nonagesimus, reverend daughter of the Lord and Lady of the Ninth House. Instead of blocking the way, Harrow offers Gideon a deal. If Gideon beats her in a fight, she will have her freedom and will not have to attend the muster after all. Being a skilled fighter, Gideon eagerly accepts the deal and a skirmish soon ensues between them. Gideon puts up a valiant fight, 
but Harrow is a gifted necromancer and summons an entire army of skeletons to join the fight. After being defeated handily, Gideon has no choice but to accept her fate and head to muster. In a giant, gloomy room covered in bones, the residents of the Ninth House gather together for a rare meeting. Once the group is assembled, Harrow makes an incredibly important announcement. She and her cavalier, Ortis, have been summoned to the First House, the seat of government and home of the Eternal Emperor. Once muster has ended, Gideon tries once more to make a break for it. She heads for the scheduled shuttle, but is devastated to find that it has already gone. She heads back to her cell to mull things over, and Hero joins her there to offer her a new deal. Her cavalier Ortis has abandoned his post, and so if Gideon takes his place and accompanies her to the first house, she will earn her freedom. After thinking it over and consulting with Aglamine, Gideon sees no choice but to accept. Being a bondswoman requires slightly different skills than accompanying an important politician on a diplomatic mission. And so what follows is the grueling regiment of training. Ed Lamine teaches her the more elegant swordplay style of a cavalier, and Harrowhawk impresses on her the importance of dressing and acting appropriately at court. Gideon, naturally, resents every single second of this cruel and unusual punishment. She is not cut out to be a cavalier, yet she sees no other way to free herself, and so she keeps pressing on. Over the next three months, Gideon tries her best to take in everything she's been taught by Aglamine, but she sees Harrow very little, until the day finally arrives when they are meant to depart. The two board a remotely piloted shuttle, which leads them to the glittering grand planet of the first house. They are greeted by a cheerful priest, who simply goes by the name of Teacher. After the necromancers and cavaliers from each of the nine houses are assembled, Teacher explains the reason why they have all been summoned. Each of the necromancers will be subjected to a number of trials over the following days, during which some of them will distinguish themselves as the new generation of lictors. Lictors are a sect of powerful mages that serve as the right hand of the Eternal Emperor himself. This is a rare honor for any necromancer to achieve, and one that Hero has dreamed of whole night. But as the trials go on, she and Gideon find that becoming a lictor might come at far too high a cost. Here, we must step away from our story for just a moment, dear book nerds, but please don't go anywhere just yet. We'll be right back with more Book Nerd Diaries after this very short break. Are you an author, fellow podcaster, or small business owner looking to spread the word about your product or service? Then let us help you. We offer a number of affordable monthly advertising packages in various price ranges, so if you'd like to hear your ad here in future episodes, please head on over to our page at ko-fi.com slash bndpod and click on the shop tab to see what works best for you. Again, that's ko-fi.com slash bndpod. Then click on the shop tab. We can't wait to work with you. Gideon the Ninth first came to my attention about two years ago. 
I was working as a library assistant for my local library system when I saw this particular title among the new arrivals. I was immediately intrigued by the premise of the story alone, but in the end, I'm so glad I waited to read it for the first time until after I started this podcast. Typically, I go into a new book with a basic idea of what to expect. I can usually tell by the title and cover art what genre I'm in for, and a general shape of what the plot will be. No amount of guesswork could have ever prepared me for the wondrous kaleidoscope of genres that is Gideon the Ninth, but it is quite possibly one of the most original works of fiction I have had the honor to enjoy in recent years. In the world of the Locked Tomb series, of which Gideon the Ninth is the first, humanity has spread throughout the solar system after life on Earth has been rendered unsustainable. Each of the nine planets, or houses, has developed its own distinct culture and hierarchy, yet all of them serve the undying emperor, who rules over them all. Each of the houses practice necromancy, but the ninth house, located on Pluto, has a far deeper connection to death than the others. In short, they would definitely be considered the gods of the galaxy. Harrowhawk, as the de facto leader of her people, is more committed to the space goth aesthetic and lifestyle than anyone else. While Gideon is her opposite in every single way, Harrow is a very solemn, serious presence, dressed in flowing black robes, whereas Gideon is a charmingly sarcastic rebel without a cause, a la Han Solo, who is never afraid to speak her mind. Both of these characters start out with a clear disdain for each other, but as the story goes on, their dynamic and their own individual personalities slowly start to develop like a Polaroid picture in a way that is absolutely stunning to read. I love that Gideon tries to play up her physical strength, but behind her snark, we see one of the most open, selfless characters in the entire series. I love that Hero tries to put up a cold front of indifference to the world, in line with being a leader of the Ninth, to hide the deep well of grief and insecurity that she tries to bury under the thick skeletal black and white face paint she wears. More than anything, I love how they both slowly start to break each other's walls down, and together become a force to be reckoned with. In some respects, the book is a dark gothic romance, a la Jane Eyre or Withering Heights. On paper, Gideon and Harrow should not want anything to do with each other, yet they find themselves drawn to each other again and again like magnets. It's like they can't help but need to be together, and it's truly hypnotic to read. They're both truly incredible, elegantly written characters on their own, but together they really put the romance in necromancy. There's even a Victorian sense of hierarchy to it all, where you have lords and ladies flaunting their power and trying to one-up each other. If I stopped there, you might think I was talking about a Jane Austen book, or Bridgerton even, but here is where things take a very sharp left turn. Trust me when I say that no matter how much I try to describe this book to you, it is not what you're expecting at all. There are elements of a space opera, as the entire series is set within a futuristic sci-fi backdrop. There are fantasy elements, with magicians and brave knights defending them. There are blood-curdling horror elements, with walking skeletons and nightmare-looking monsters lurking around every corner. 
There's even elements of a good Agatha Christie-style murder mystery, as one by one, people start turning up dead. If Gideon the Ninth would have been made by any other writer, or at just about any other time in history, it probably would have been a much more pared-down and straightforward story. But I am so glad that that's not the case. I don't really know how, but the brilliant Thames in here manages to take just about every single genre of storytelling and smash them together into something beautiful. It's intimate, yet bigger than life, and I would highly recommend it to anyone who's looking for something that is truly unique in our broad new media landscape. I will reiterate here that Gideon the Ninth contains some truly disturbing moments that might not be suitable for everyone. It is dark and pulls very few punches, so reader discretion is advised. We have provided content warnings in our show notes if you would like to give them a look before picking up this marvelous book for yourself. But trust me, it is well worth it. With that, dearest book nerds, we have reached the end of our discussion for today. We're so glad you've stopped by, and we hope you had just as much fun as we did. Before we say goodbye for now, however, we'd just like to say thank you to some very important folks. Firstly, thank you to Julie and Anthony for being our amazing subscribers over at patreon.com slash your kind monthly contributions are truly what help keep the lights on here at the library, and we really couldn't do what we do without you. If you too would like to get perks like early ad-free versions of our show, exclusive episodes, notes, scripts, our monthly newsletter, and a special role in our Discord server, we hope you'll join them. Our deepest gratitude also goes out to anyone who subscribed to our show via their favorite podcast app, left us a review on Apple Podcasts or their app of choice, or told the people in their lives about us. These are the best free ways to support the show and help bring more people into the library. In the crowded world of podcasting, word of mouth is crucial, so every bit truly helps. Next week, Friday, October 21st, a new bonus episode is on the way for our wonderful $5 Nook subscribers on Patreon. And we'll see you right back here in two weeks for another edition of the Book Nerd Diaries. See you then! The Book Nerd Diaries is written, edited, researched, and hosted by me, Amber Wilchin. That's me. Thank you so much to the wonderful Astrofreck from Pixabay for the use of our theme song, The Grand Entrance. All other music and sound effects you heard during this episode are also provided by the amazing folks of Pixabay, so please check out the show notes for full credits. If you'd like to continue the conversation, please follow us on Instagram or Twitter at BNDPod, on Facebook at Diaries or via our website at bndpod.wordpress.com. If you have any comments, questions, or ideas for future episodes to send my way, please feel free to drop us an email anytime at bndpod at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. Until next time, everyone, please be good to yourselves, 
because the world needs you. And don't forget to support your local library.